What is up, Mets fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Mets Up Podcast. Four-game series with the Arizona Dimebacks. And the Mets just do what they do against the Dimebacks. Beat them. Beat them. I think I, I before the game, I think Mike on the uh, scoreboard doing the pregame show said the Mets have beat the Dimebacks 18 of the last 22 times they've played. Today we'll make it 19 out of 23. Complete domination for a team that is competing for a wild card spot. We talked about this. Like These games still matter for the team. These games are still important. We're playing spoiler. Good to see the Mets are playing some good baseball here. You guys see we're back at City Field as well, which is nice to be back here doing an episode in the theater. Make sure you guys are following us on our social media at MetsUp on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Subscribe to the New York Mets YouTube channel if you want to see the video version of this. And if you're listening to us, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Odyssey, drop us a rating, drop us a review, download and subscribe. James, what's going on? Pretty good. Not wet. Not wet. Not, not wet. wet. The wet episode is going to be like one of the last series of the year, either Marlins or Phillies, we've yeah. decided. Yes. And we got to get you the full jersey as well. I want to do both at the same time. I think that Marlins series, we're going to pinpoint that. I think it's either a th- I think it's a Thursday night to just do both. Yeah. Just, be a, get, just go home wet. Just be yeah, wet in a hat and jersey. Yeah, we have no John here today either. So that's that's part of the reason yeah, why. He, John's got to be able to see it. Of course. I, he, he, I think he just wants to be the one that dumps the water on me. Definitely a little yeah, bit. I mean, yeah. it's Indiana only lost by 20 points. That's a win. <laughs> that's a huge win for yeah. Indiana football. But this series, like overall, pretty good one. Really good one. It's, again, it's funny that this team, the Diamondbacks, has been one of like the feel-good stories in baseball all year, and the Mets have just completely destroyed them with every chance yeah. they could. 6-1 and one against them now in the season series. Three games in Arizona we swept back in July. Four games here we swept. Also, kind of funny, I'm uh, just all housekeeping stuff. We're not doing the episode in City Field Sunday because I'm going to a wedding. The same wedding of the bachelor party I went to in July, that was also when the Mets were playing the Diamondbacks. That's, that is weird. That's really bizarre. Those huh. are both happening at the exact same time. Okay. Yeah. A little, little coincidence. Yeah, right? Big coincidence. Degrees of coincidences. Yeah, I guess. There yeah. could be small coincidences and big coincidences. No, but it was a really good series. And it's just, it's funny that we, the Mets, as what's ever happened this year, you come up against two pitchers who are some of the best pitchers in baseball on Wednesday and Thursday, and Zach Allen and Merrill Kelly, and just completely obliterate them. No, it's... it's it, Run through them like nothing, like it paper. It doesn't make any sense. No. It doesn't make any sense. The more you think about it, the less sense it makes. You know what? We'll just take it. There was like a lot of good things that happened in this one. And starting off with game one... This one was like probably the weirdest of the bunch, to be fair. This one was a little weird because it got, a, I'd say, a little bit overshadowed by something else happening in New York on Monday night, uh, Monday night football <laughs> with the Jets. It just it was it was a weird thing. You, know, you want you want to like just talk about that for a second? Yeah. You need to get it out. Too early in the episode, but two minutes of football. I'll put the timer on right now. Stopwatch, ready to go. I'm just a lot of Mets and Jets fans out there. I'm sure you guys all had pretty crazy run of emotions Monday nights. Aaron Rodgers brought the American flag out of the tunnel at East Rutherford on 9-11 and took four snaps and ruptured his entire Achilles. Crazy. It was bizarre. And then the Jets miraculously coming back and winning the game. Vito, Jets fan too. We know he knows we're going through here. John also a Jets fan, not here today. But it's just, it's just, it's, just a, it's a surreal thing that you just, you just can't have nice things. Yeah, really hurt my fantasy team. I was but, really banking on Rodgers having a great year. No one cares about your fantasy <laughs> team. The New, York, the New York Jets have gone through 50 years of anguish. Commanders. And for, for one second, we had a chance. For about four minutes. Four plays. When it was happening. It was like nine minutes total from him with the American flag to him in the blue medical tent. It was just, it's shocking. And then you have Zach Wilson, who, by all intents and purposes, we're going to get every ch- single chance to like win football yes. games for this team. Just looked so afraid. And like there were some videos that went viral. Because he did come back and win the Jets. He game. did. They really they did emo- win. emotional victory. It was really, it was really cool to see that. The fans were still good the whole game. Everyone was like just really excited. But there was a clip that went viral with Zach Wilson and the other Jets receivers. And they were like, like patting his shoulder blade, telling him how great he was. Like he was <laughs> like a like like a like a kid or something. Yeah, a little pep talk. Yeah. But it's just we can't have nice things as Jets fans. It was I, w- I was so sad the whole day Tuesday. It really just hurt my week. It was hard to sleep on Monday night after watching that whole thing happen. Yeah. And like waiting for that MRI. And it's just, 
Only a minute, 20 seconds. It's just, you can't have nice things. The Jets are cursed. We'll never be great. Me and my dad, not Jets fans, but we were watching the game on Monday night. My dad looks at me. He's here in, in-house for the episode watching. Shout out Mr. Luino. And he was like, I'm sick to my stomach. Yeah. He's like, it's not right. Yeah, and especially the fact that, like, Vinny Testaverde was, like, the honorary <laughs> captain. He did the same thing in 1999 yep. after he took the Jets to the AFC title game the day before. And that well, there was an Edwin Diaz connection to it, too. Oh, the day that Aaron Rodgers officially signed for yeah. the Jets was the same day the World Baseball Classic where Edwin Diaz went down. Yeah, tough, tough. It's just, if you're a Mets and Jets fan, like, you know the pain. It never goes away. Misery. And this is life. I tried to get away from it, but being a Washington fan doesn't really help either. It's just no, as bad. it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> Seeing ghosts, ghosts of Jets past. Even like the Favre thing too is like so funny in context because he only played the one year and his year got struck by an injury too. And the Jets missed the playoffs and they started out like eight and three or something. You told me, you said, I still don't believe it's real. Yeah, I told you the whole time. I never, I let myself get excited just when the game began. He came out of the tunnel and I was with our buddy Drew and he's like an honorary Jets fan since he moved to New York. And then it just happened. I was like, that's what, this is why I didn't get excited. This is why I never believed it. This is why I never really bought in. Two minutes of football. Now we're back to baseball. Let's talk about this one. Jose Quintana on the mound for the Mets looked pretty decent. Definitely not one of his better starts. Had gotten trouble a little bit, a little bit of traffic on the base paths. But being able to minimize that damage, I think something we're going to just be used to with Jose Quintana. Yeah, just even even the start, we definitely didn't have his best stuff. So I got through five innings. Still only gave up two runs. There were a lot of base runners, but nothing, no one really hurt him that bad. And just the only Diamondback that really was able to get to him and get to Mets pitching in general this game was the inevitable Tommy Pham. Yeah, of course. He had an incredible series. His, yeah, his return to City Field. He was taking pictures of Alex Cohn before the game. Everyone seemed happy to see him, and he just he just played an unbelievable baseball game once again. He was 3-for-5 on Monday night to start what was a really good series. He really pushed the Diamondbacks over the edge in the only game that would eventually win this series. A double, a home run late to tie the game, and three balls of play hit over 103 miles an hour. He's a good ball player. He's a really good ball we got player. To, we got to see him for half a year, and we we knew how good Tommy Pham was. Glad to see him helping Arizona. It's, it's good, but... He's the only guy pulling that, any weight in that team anymore. Yeah, I mean, today we, we had a little bit of a flashback where it was like, man, it's like three innings, and Tommy Pham's the only guy with a hit. Yeah, it was 0-0 <laughs> in the third inning on Thursday, and it was only one hit, and it was Tommy Pham single in the first. And we're like, yeah, that's what, that's, I remember what that feels like. Yeah, Brian Mauricio smoked the double as well, which was nice. Just continues to hit the baseball hard. And just good baseball player. Jeff McNeil is first of two home runs this series. Swinging the bat a lot better, Jeff. That OPS, yeah. I don't know if it has officially gotten above 700 again, but it was like hovering around 695, 698 area. Hit the home run today, which should help. 699. 699. Jeff, we got to get through that 700. And 266 batting average. Get that to 275, 700. The year's going to turn out fine for Jeff. But yeah, again, this game Monday was a little bit like dystopian but based on what what's happening with the jets like on the other channel 100 percent. yeah and of bizarre of course we had to watch my least favorite one of my least favorite players in baseball right now paul yeah. seawald get that save which mean. sucks mean. i was i was really hoping he was gonna blow it. he got he got got a little hairy <laughs> got a little hairy but he got out of it paul seawald is an expert of the hairy save <sighs> two so, two men on a two-run game or something like tying run will get the first base and then then, then i'll find I, a way i still watch him and it doesn't make any sense He's, yeah. There's really nothing different than when he was here, and he's no, just it's, better. Slide is different. The fastball's a little harder. We, we could close the book on Paul Seawall. Yeah, he's got to get back in again. No. But Tuesday night, game two, Mark was in the park this one. Really, really fun night at City Field. Mark was in the park for Bark in the Park? Mark in the Park for Bark in the Park. Bark in the Park was pretty amazing. The Simba Cam was awesome. Shout out to you guys for thinking of that. That was incredible. I don't think anyone here actually. Nah, no, John. No. Yeah, no. All right. You guys in general. Well, we shout out the Mets people that yeah, shout out the Mets. aren't here. Yeah. That was really good. Like the it was like hysterical to be in the stadium and it I don't I don't know if they instructed the people who brought a dog, but when they put on the Lion King song, everybody just lifted their dog up like Simba. I don't know if there was a memo that went out, but great planning, great execution, viral clips. Also, hockey night in the ballpark. Yes. Yes. Big they, one for John. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that 
when Ron and Mauricio hit his home run that we'll talk about in a little bit, they played the Ranger yes. goal song rather than the Islander goal song. And I kind of feel like that was probably a lot of John's fingerprints. Gotta be John. Yeah. Has because to, I feel like there's the, no way John would allow. The Mets contingency, I feel like, leans, especially like you guys working a lot, like I feel like it leans Islanders. Yeah. More more than anything else. And I think a lot of people work, like do a little bit of work That's for the Islanders said, as yeah. well. Yeah. That's what I mean. And also the colors. Blue and orange. Yeah. So I thought I thought that was kind of funny though. But cool. Hockey night, bark in the park, just keep everything fun there. And most fun part of this game, I think, was Jose Buda. I mean Lights out. Lights out. I We were talking in our group chat, and I was looking like through the box score and everything. Like, Jose Budo has 16 swings and misses through four innings. Yeah. Like, what? what? Like, where did this come from? Wound up with 17 in five innings with seven strikeouts, only one earned run. And this guest start was just fastballs and changeups, the thing that got Jose Budo to the major leagues originally. That was the main scouting report with him always. And, like, again, like his velocity kind of tapered down as the game went yeah. on, but he still sat around 95. And... The last fastball he threw of the game was the second hardest he threw of the entire game. Okay. And it was about two miles an hour harder than the previous fastball he threw. So it really was able to dig deep and get that last pitch out. And like the, the Dimebacks just really didn't, it seemed like they couldn't figure out which pitch was coming because the fastball was really good at getting the called strikes and the changeup was really good at getting swing strikes. Specifically, that changeup, 13 swing strikes. That is the fourth most swings and misses on for a wow. changeup by any pitcher in a single game this My season. God. Yeah, right? Do you, do you know who the others were? It was a lot of guys tied between like 13 and 17. Okay. It was like Cole. It was Jordan Montgomery. It Garrett was, Cole. Not Garrett Cole. It was Logan Webb. Okay. Maybe Cole. It was a lot, a lot of these guys who have like very good changeups. Yeah. But Jose Budo was in there. Command was really good. There was a really good graphic I put on Twitter on Wednesday where all of Jose Budo's fastballs were in the upper third of the strike yes. zone and all of his changes were from the lower third. A lot of them caught black on both sides, and Dimebacks had no answer. These are things why you watch these late games in September. You start to see a guy who could very much be a part of this rotation next year. The way he's pitching, for sure. Like You talk a, a scale of confidence of the guys that are maybe fighting for these last few spots. Jose Budo is right around the top. Yeah, we're getting to the spot where it's hard to doubt him anymore either because he comes out every single day. And while it is still probably someone who's best pitching between three and five innings, not able to extend past to get to six or seven yet, yeah. mostly because that third pitch is still trying. We've seen the cutter. We've seen the slider. They're coming along, but sometimes he seems like it doesn't really have a feel for them. And the velocity is such a big deal for Budo, and they kind of usually, again, falls off after 60 to 80 pitches. He There, just, there has to be a role. There yeah. has to be a role for a guy like this. He's pitching super well. The development... We tell you guys all the time, development is not linear for these pitchers. There was a, probably a time where most Mets fans, between the last six months and the last 18 months, were like, I never want to see Jose Budo. I never want to see Jose Budo in a Mets uniform again pitching. But, but Mr. Mr. Luino probably says something like that too a time or two. <laughs> That's possible, right? Yeah, he got a thumbs up. And now you look at the guy pitching, like, oh wow, there is really something here. It just really, it really goes to show that like, there's no quitting these guys. You just got to keep going, keep grinding, keep getting better, and eventually you'll get an opportunity. And when you get it, you got to take it. 100%. Talk about guys who just seem to be getting better and better as the season goes on. Brandon Nimmo yes. had quite the series, yes. quite the, I mean, extra base hits left and right. He had three extra base hits on Tuesday night, three hard hit balls, two doubles and a triple, scored a couple runs, got a walk, been playing great defense out in center field today, especially uh, on the last game of the series. There's a bunch of balls that were like kind of hitting the gap that he made look very routine, mm -hmm. easy plays. He's just one of the most underrated players in baseball. He's eight every episode, I feel like, but he just continues to show why he got that contract, why he's leadoff, why he's center field, why he's a huge part of this team's future. Yeah, Fangrass being weird for me right now. I want to click. I want to see his stats since he took those few days off with the, uh, with the tired legs in August. But since then, so since August 1st, technically, a 293, 369, 536 triple slash, Whoa. 149 WRC+, so 50% better than the league average hitter with eight home runs. Okay. And 10% walks, 19% strikeouts. That's an elite baseball player. Good ball player. That's a player who's a perennial all-star, those stats extrapolated for a whole year. And that's kind of what Brandon Nimmo feels like he's basically becoming as the season goes on. Yep. Francisco Lindor, too, and Pete Alonso, a couple RBIs. 
that's just smacking around the Diamondbacks. It's, it feels good. Yeah, and three more hits for DJ Stewart. And the big exclamation point in this game, yes. alluded to it before, was Rodney Mauricio's first career <sighs> home run, and it was a mammoth shot <sighs> deep into the Coca-Cola corner, 440 feet, 112 miles an hour off the bat, 27-degree launch angle with a nasty bat flip, and really, really watched that one and enjoyed it for a second. Eighth longest home run by a Met this year, also the eighth hardest hit home run by a Met this year, and hardest hit home run by a Met that's not named Pete Alonso. I mean, that makes sense. Yes. Makes a lot of sense. He hits the ball really hard. He's going to make Coca-Cola corner his home, I yeah, think, yeah. For, the, for the foreseeable future. The the Mauricio Mezzanine. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mauricio's Mezzanine. I think we can work on that. We can yeah. workshop that. Yeah, that. That was off the fly. The marketing people can handle that. Yeah. And as of right now, 10 games through his major league career, Ron Mauricio has put 28 balls in play, 14 of those were hit hard, 11 of those were hit over 100 miles an hour, and four of those were hit over 110 miles an hour. Having, I was sitting down the first baseline and off the bat, oh my God, mm-hmm. like that ball made a different noise. It carried differently. It went so far. It was cool too because we could see who caught the ball because of course it was Ryan Mauricio's first home run. Caught the ball, security swarmed him, swarmed him, yeah. took him right out. They're yeah. like, here, go get yourself a sign back, get your signed jersey, get to meet him. Did we, I don't, did we see if... They was any publication of what happened? Not the same hoopla, I would say, as like, you know, the Ellie de la Cruz, like first career home run that happened earlier this season where like the dude and his friends like held out for innings and eventually just got like a 19 person bro pick with Ellie de la Cruz. Mets fans are salt of the earth. We don't, yeah, yeah. we're just happy to be there. I want want to give him his ball back. I want this young man to enjoy his evening. But it's really amazing what he's doing so far. He looks fluid in the field. Looks really good at second base. He looks very confident where where, when he's taking his hacks, he's not really even chasing as much as I kind of thought he would be, as much as like, well, his minor league stats would indicate he would be. And we even heard, we'll talk about it a little bit, Joe Lucchese just talk about the fact that in AAA, the automatic balls and strikes is a bit of a weird thing. Yeah. Especially going from that to the major leagues, like so rapid, not, not rapidly, just so consistently, like mm-hmm. it, it is very different. So maybe it's just like having a regular umpire, um, umpire again doing that. He's also like, he is still chasing a lot, but he's really not swinging and missing much at all. And with that, he's not striking out very much. Like this isn't a massive sample size, but 10 games for things, especially like chase rate and whiff rate, which are per pitch. Like that's kind of settled thing already. Once you get to 2025 games, strikeout rate is too. Yeah. And if he can have a year next year where he has a 50% hard hit rate and 20% strikeout rate, like they're, kind of is no stopping him. It feels like it's become evident that the lack of walks is not because of a misunderstanding of the strike zone. I think it's just he's incredibly aggressive and just wants to hit. It's also not really like a supreme lack of walks. It's 5% walks. Yeah, but I'm, I'm saying yeah. like the idea that like, because the whole conversation with Ryan Mauricio was about his plate discipline. Yeah. About walking, getting on base. They want to see him do that more or whatever, whoever's saying that. And it doesn't seem like it's something that he's trying to not do. Like, we're, no, of like course. you watch some guys who don't refuse to walk like Luis Garcia or something like or Javi Baez. And you're like, OK, I understand why these guys don't walk. Ronnie Mauricio, you're like, oh, he's he's just really aggressive. He gets a pitch and he crushes it in the zone. Yeah, like he's walking more consistently than like, let's say, a comparable player like a Mickey Moniak. Yeah. Who came up with massive physical tools, significantly older than Ronnie Mauricio. But even in 300 played appearance, he's walking 2% of the time. Only two percent. With a thirty-five percent strikeout rate. Ryan Mauricio is a five percent and a twenty percent. Oh like my God. Salvador Perez, possibly <laughs> a Hall of Famer, is walking three percent of the time. Everyone's favorite former Met, James McCann, three percent of the time. <laughs> like there's a lot of guys in baseball who don't have the same physical tools as Ryan Mauricio, don't have the same hit tool, don't have the same natural power. Bo Bichette, four percent walk rate. Wow, it's that low. Yeah, even a guy like Ezekiel Tovar, one of your favorite my boy. prospects in the I know he doesn't walk. Also four percent walk rate yeah. and a twenty-three percent strikeout rate with significantly less physical tools. One home yes. run. On season for Ezekiel Tovar. No, he doesn't. No, such a way. What is this? Mine, mine, uh, you have you have a different. No, no, this is this is from. This can't be. That's wrong. That's yeah, something's wrong. Regardless, Ron Mauricio, absolute stud. 
Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Moving on to game three. Yeah. Zach Allen on the bump going up against Joey Fuego. 15 home runs. I was looking at Johan Rojas. There you go. One, one, one thing below. A little, a little different. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, Joey Fuego on the mound for Zach Allen. Little did you guys know it was going to be an ace-off because yeah. Joey Lucchese, uh, he makes starts for the Mets this year and he's unhittable. Yeah, no no one can touch Joey Lucchese. And shout out Joey Lucchese too because he's had great results in the majors. He's been shuttled back and forth between majors and the minors a lot. Every single time he's come back and gotten this opportunity, he's taken advantage of it. Seven innings pitch for Lucchese, only gave up one run and it wasn't earned. Down to a 2.83 ERA on the season, 35 yep. innings pitched, and that is a higher ERA than his ERA in AAA, which spawned the comments about him and the automatic strike zone. He's made seven starts this year. Two of them have gone seven innings. Like, <laughs> what? What? I like. I'm gonna be honest. I didn't expect this out of Joey Lucchese when the no. season was starting. And it's we talked to him, and one of the big things that he mentioned was like making this conscious effort to be able to go deeper into games by using the cutter to get softer contact, to get ground balls, and we saw that in this game. He got a ton of ground balls, a bunch of double plays to Francisco Lindor. Yeah, not many swings and misses, no three, wide, three walks and just two strikeouts, but the Dimex couldn't score anything up. Not at all. And that was kind of the, kind of the theme of the series. The Mets pitchers just kept them really off balance. The and churve. The churve. Churve it up. And the other side, the Mets basically knocked Zach Gallen out of the Cy Young conversation. Someone who some people had thought was a favorite up until about a week and a half ago. Crazy. Like... Yeah. I, I don't know if this is true, but I feel like Zach Allen has always struggled against the Mets. I feel I feel I it in my bones true. somewhere. You're on baseball reference. Go nah, go. All right. it's too far too long yeah. now. But and it was just it wasn't even like the Mets had once to stay in rally and knock him out. They just were chipping away every single time. They got around the first inning with Lindor and Pete. Then Rafael Ortega had a two out two two out RBI double out of nowhere. Six hole Rafael Ortega. Yeah, six hole Rafael Ortega to get Jeff McNeil home from first base in a play where he literally flew into home plate. I, I couldn't believe he was safe. It took everything yeah. <laughs> It took everything going wrong for him to be safe there. Quintel Marte made one of the worst throws I've ever seen on a baseball field, and he was still almost out. But he was safe, so we love it. We it, love it. This all happened just because I'm starting Zach Gallen in a really, really hotly contested fantasy baseball championship, You've, and I knew the Mets had to get me back for that one. You've had some big pitchers go and I know. really crumble for Really you. bad. Wheeler and Gallen are killing me this week. I... Shout out to Danny. He listens to the show sometimes, even though he's a Yankee fan. I know he's listening. He wants to hear my misery because he's beating me. And we're like, I want so bad. But, and then, P. Alonso got two more NBIs later. Got up to 108 on the season. I think he also had one or two more yeah. on Thursday as well. Second most majors behind Matt Olson, and he missed almost a month of baseball, yeah. which is pretty amazing to think about. Just He's doing things from a run production standpoint that basically no Met has ever done. No. On a regular he's, basis. Uh, he's doing it all, and it's like... We know he's a better hitter, too. Like, we're not an average podcast. We know that. But, like, this is a career-low average for Pete this year. 
and he's got 110 RBIs. Yes. Like, uh, imagine if he were hitting 250, right, which is the, something that he's, like, very capable of doing. I think last year was, like, closer, closer to 270. Yeah. So, like, yeah. <laughs> that's there, a guy. If he was hitting that, he might have 125, 130 RBIs. There was a fan in the stands today who looked around at us very earnestly and was like, you guys think he's going to get 600 home runs? And I was like, I, I don't know. I was like, it feels like a lot. <laughs> like, I, I need the calculator yeah, <laughs> to try and figure that one out. <laughs> you're, you're making me extrapolate numbers yeah, across, I can't, I can't across I 12 I, years. I gotta work on my aging curve. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, wor I'm worried about Pete Alonso finishing the season strong. I yeah, can't right? think about 600 home runs. But, um, like, he's in that category of just, like, we say it all the time, elite, elite power hitting first baseman in baseball history right now to start yes. a career. Yes, there's no, no, literally no doubt about it. The only guys who are even near on his level Ryan Howard. And we looked it up recently. Albert Pujols. Albert Pujols, yeah. Maybe, uh, I think, like, Eddie Matthews hit a bunch yeah, of home Eddie runs. Yeah, Eddie Matthews was too early in his career. And also, these are guys who kind of came up a little later as well. Albert Pujols, of course, because his age probably wasn't 21 years old. He started out <laughs> in the major leagues. But he's just, he's just he just hits the ball hard every single time and does a lot of damage. Another guy who hits the ball hard a lot and does a lot of damage, Mark Vientos. Yes. Hit the big home run to just put that nice cherry on top of Gallon's line. Six earned runs. I love. Last three home runs now Mark Vientos has hit have been off Aroldis Chapman. <laughs> <laughs> Luis Castillo and Zach Allen. I, whatever. I mean, yeah. go, go figure. And he <laughs> got happens. that that smoked double off Felix Bautista. He did. Like, like, we'll forget that one. Like, Mark Vientos. Yes. Keep it up. And Think was, everybody's these guys. Yeah, right. And this is a really solid game for Brett Beatty. Multiple hits, couple <sighs> hard hit balls, then he leaves with the groin strain. Mild. Day to day, the MRI came back pretty clean. So hopefully we do see Brett back this weekend. But. Very frustrating. They finally got it through a few times and immediately had to leave the game. Against Zach Allen. I know, yeah. <laughs> well, it's all right. And he was he was repping his buddy uh, Gary Wilson from Monday Night Football. Of course. Yeah. Who just made the, one of the best catches I've ever seen. That catch was disgusting. Oh, so he good. just smacked it up to himself. On, the, on the same play, he played offense and defense. Yeah. Yeah. Literally. <laughs> he deflected the pass and caught the touchdown. He's a very talented yeah, athlete. He's so good. Him and Brees Hall are so good. So good. Oh, God. All right. No, no more football talk. Game four. Yes. Game four in, in the building for this one. Kodai Sanga. Oh, my Kodai God. Sanga. Code Ace. Ugh. I mean, we got to have a real conversation. Let's do the breakdown first. Yeah. But Corbin Carroll, rookie of the year favorite. Kodai Sanga, rookie of the year contender. For sure. Th those are the top two guys, I think, right now in the National League, right? I don't even think anyone else is close. In a year where it's been, I think, rookies have been kind of... Pretty good. Routinely, not routinely, like, inordinately strong for a particular season. Yeah. And if Corbin Carroll wasn't doing things that basically no other rookies have ever done in the history of the game, and that's having a a 25-45 season. The only <laughs> other player in the history of baseball to ever do that was been Mike Trout, and that was 2012. And if you bring those numbers down to just 20 and 40, you have Mike Trout, Corbin Carroll, Tommy Agee, of Matt course. Legend. Legend. Yeah, he did that with the White Sox before he came to the Mets in 66. And then Mitchell Page, who I've never heard of. I've never heard of the name. 21-42 is rookie year, and he did not win rookie of the year. What year? 1977. Mitchell Page. What team? Oakland. <sighs> never heard of this guy. Right? But, again, this is a year where you look at Kodai Sanga right now, and after his incredible start on Thursday, he's down to a 2.95 ERA. In a year where pitching has been a bit of a struggle for a lot of guys in the league with the rule change. And maybe that's been an advantage for Kodai, not having to deal with the league before and now being able to just walk into the league Yeah, but after. he's still pitched in Japan. No, it's for not sure. Like, yeah, J I know. Japanese games are really long. No, of course. I'm just trying to like make things up right now, say some stuff. But 2.95 ERA, fourth lows in baseball behind Garrett Cole, Blake Snell, and Justin Steele. So most likely both of the Cy Youngs and then whoever <laughs> in the NL doesn't win the Cy Young. And he's done that by walking into the major leagues and just automatically has had the best pitch in baseball. I think I think it's without a doubt the best pitch in baseball. It is the best pitch in baseball. The Ghost Fork still has the highest whiff rate for any individual pitch in baseball. It's been thrown at least 500 times. And it has the high, the lowest, um, what's the, I can't remember, soft contact, highest, yeah, highest soft contact rate too. Yeah. I got confused with my highest and lowest there, my double negatives and stuff. But a pitch that isn't hit hard, still has not even given up a home run this entire year. And... They can't swing it. They can't hit it. Well, what did I tell you today when we were sitting and watching him? He, he was 
cruising, cruising today. It was like one of the most relaxing, calming, like just low-key dominant starts that we've seen in a while at the at the stadium. Yeah. He just looks so confident on the mound. And I'm like, when are people going to figure out the ghost fork? It doesn't feel like they ever will. Because even a guy like Kodai Sanga, who's been throwing that ghost fork a lot this year, this game on Thursday... This was the the second time all season it's been his primary pitch in a game. Hmm. And that both of those times have happened in September. So in his last four starts, two of those four starts, yes, an adjustment make on the league. The color went up for a while. First it was a fastball. Now it's the ghost fork. And with that ghost fork being the most thrown pitch in, in a game, he was throwing in the zone more. Second highest rate of in-zone ghost forks in a game so far this year on Thursday. And remember he got that really, really nice call strike against Gabriel Moreno? That was an unfair at-bat. It was. That it was, was unfair. messed up to do to Gabriel Moreno. <laughs> to another pretty solid rookie. Yeah. But You like him more than me. But. I, I think he's a good ball player. But he put the ride into one in his first at-bat, and Kodai was like, you're going to try to hit me? All right. Ghost now, fork. You're not going to hit me anymore. And one of my favorite terms when describing a pitcher that's like really cruising in command is they're in a rocking chair. Mm. And it really just felt like Kodai saying it was back and forth. Just get the ball, throw the ball, get the ball, throw the ball. He had seven strikeouts by the time the third inning was get, uh, by the fourth inning was underway. Yeah, I think the uh, the like Caesars like bet thing that they do in the stadium was like over under three and a half strikeouts for Kodai Senga. And the guy was like over, and I think he got it at, out in like the second or third inning. It, 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 just, it was unhittable. And this Diamondbacks team that has a lot to play for right now, they had the infield in when the Mets were rallying in, what was that, the third inning? Well, that's something to talk about too, is that like these games, we know the Mets are not technically out of contention, but it's going to take a lot. The Diamondbacks are very much fighting for it right now. And if you look at the wild card standings, I don't know if they've updated yet with the game today. MLB, they have. MLB updates quickly. Yes, they have. They are technically out of the playoffs right now. They are tied with the Giants and the Reds theoretically, for that last spot. But the Giants, I think, on tiebreakers and whatnot, are technically ahead. So the Dimebacks would be missing the playoffs. These games were incredibly important. And we saw some super weird decisions yeah. made by Tori Lovello in this series. One, if you guys were watching on TV, on the first game of the series, where they let Tim LaCastro steal after he, got, uh, after he pinch ran. Steal second. He was the winning run. They just let him have it. And Gary was, like, freaking out. He was like, I can't believe you're letting the winning run get to second base. Like, it, it, he was going nuts, Keith, as well. But even today, he pulled the starters early in this Sixth game. inning. Like, I can understand pulling Catal Marte because he does have injury issues. And he was he was out. It was in and out the last couple of weeks, I think, a knee thing. He's and always he, had he looked slow. Stuff. He looked slow this series. Yeah. But he pulled Tommy Pham. He pulled Christian uh, Walker. Christian Walker. Catal Marte. Who else? There was one more, there was right? one more guy. Uh, one of the outfielders. Because then he moved. And even that, you take... Your, who's he took out Guriel. Yeah, who's effectively been your best player all year, Corbin Carroll, and not take him out. You just move him to the other corner. Yeah. In the middle of a game when you're in a pennant race. Like, I'm not saying that you should be like, you know, like, we can win every single game, but, like, we've seen teams make seven-run comebacks in four games. <laughs> and, like, I think <laughs> <Have> we... we? <laughs> and again, we're, we're objective podcasters here. I don't think the Mets bullpen is anything to write home about. It's not like a team that's in the playoff picture can't make up runs against any, yeah. like, a bullpen in baseball, especially... And it was, like, the yeah. sixth inning. It was. It was the sixth inning. So, like, chip away, chip away, chip away, and then you see what happens. It was just wild to me that they seemingly said, you got this one. We'll just... We'll catch you in Arizona. Shout out to Colin on the PA who had to go through, <laughs> like, over three different batters to get every single substitution that was made because Diamondbacks took five players and out of the game. He was going so fast, like... Now it's second base yeah. coming into the game for Cattell Marte is going to yeah. be. Will Jordan Lawler move there? Yeah. And Geraldo Perdomo is at third. And, and entering the game, playing shortstop there is on Diamondbacks. Jordan Lawler moving from shortstop to second base. Geraldo Perdomo. Pro's pro. Yeah. And then he weighed another bat and he was like moving from third base to first base for Arizona Diamondbacks. Emmanuel, Emmanuel Rivera. Rivera taking the place of Christian Walker. It was like, wow. It took three batters to get it all done, but he did it. Yeah. yeah. Professional. Pro. It was really, yeah, really weird that a team, especially we just saw the Diamondbacks last weekend in Wrigley Field. We yeah. saw them take three out of four. We've seen a lot of Diamondbacks in the last yeah, week. Right? <laughs> and we saw the Pirates we just saw before we went there. It was really weird. But 
We saw this team take three out of four games from Chicago Cubs, a team they were chasing in the wild card race. And yeah. so they, it's not like they came in really limping. They've had not they a good second. They have not a good second half in general. But this was a team playing good ball who had their two best pitchers lined up for its series with a team that has mostly fallen out of the playoff picture, even though it's a team that handled them in the first half. And we just kind of got them. And really, this game, Merrill Kelly, again, Merrill Kelly is not really a name that will incite fear into his opponents, but he's one of the lowest ERAs in baseball. Yeah. This is like two out of three years now he's done this. Like until, Mer- the, until, this until this game. He still has like the f- fifth lowest ERA in the National League. Oh, still that low? Yeah, it's like three, two and a half. So, oh, okay. But then you, like, you see Brandon will get multiple hits on him, a double down the line, just like scored one down there. Francisco Lindor was on base, scored the run. Pete Alonso hit the home run. Oh, no, he didn't hit the home run. Jeff McNeil hit the home run. Jonathan Aruz hit the home run late. DJ Stewart got two more RBIs. Like Jonathan Aruz, two more home runs than Tim Anderson. Yes, good fact. Jonathan Aruz, two more home runs than Tim Anderson this year. And Juan Lagares has hit the ball harder than Nolan Arenado ever has. True. So one you take that, home with you. <laughs> that, that might be one of my favorite ones. <laughs> yeah. Even Mark Vientos drew a walk, two hard hit balls, got another hit, scored two runs. Like Everyone was just kind of doing it. And you look at this Diamondbacks team and you're like, why... What's wrong? What's wrong, guys? I'm gonna drop. I'm gonna drop a word for you. Yeah, a little bittersweet. It's a little bittersweet. It's a little bittersweet to see the Mets half. playing some good ball in September against yeah. like a, a wild card contending team. Yeah. Well, what could have been? Well, because the funniest thing about this Mets schedule, the way it lines up the rest of the year, every single game the Mets are playing the rest of the season, including the last four, are against teams that they theoretically are chasing the wild card standings. Yeah. Between the Diamondbacks, this weekend is the Reds. We'll get to that preview in a second. Oh, we didn't check back on the estimate. No, we'll we'll take All a look right. in a sec. I'm still up too. We'll we'll figure that one out. And then Marlins, Phillies, Marlins, Phillies to close it out. Again, we're going to see the Marlins for the first time in five months. <laughs> oh, my God. I jinxed it so bad. You jinxed it so bad. Oh, the Aaron Rodgers thing. Oh. Yeah. You said, wow. I said he'd have 10 touchdowns by the time we played the Marlins next. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. That was That's on you, dude. I shouldn't have said it's that. It's on you. Oh, man. That'd be, that'd be awful if we like made a super cut of that. <laughs> no, we probably can't do that. It's going to be too hard to find. But, wow, I can't believe I screwed that up. And oh, that just hurt we were, me so bad. We were really talking about how we were so excited we get to play the Marlins later in the year, yeah. twice, because they're going to trade everybody and be out of contention. Yeah, <laughs> the opposite. Uh, our, uh, why our, do we talk sometimes? They got their closer, but he's not their closer anymore. And now Sandy Alcantara is not even pitching anymore. It's just like, it's a whole it's mess. chaos. It's a whole mess. We talked about it, too, at the game. This, like, wild card race, just the, the postseason feels so weird right so now. So blah. There's Nobody wants it. This is, this is kind of the other side of the coin with the expanded playoffs, where... As some to some degree, the teams that are fighting for these last few spots are theoretically not that good. Yeah, it's kind of how I describe it. Yeah, because like I mean, let's be honest. I the Giants, Diamondbacks, Reds, Marlins instill fear in nobody, and no. I don't think anybody like. Yes, you can get hot. It's still the MLB postseason. These teams can make runs. I'm not saying it's not possible. And the Giants at least have some pitching in the front of their rotation. Like ish, yeah, kind of. But like the idea is that like these aren't real playoff teams. No. Which, Again, I mean, last year those some of those wildcard teams did make some noise. So for sure, but can't but, say that. But but you can look at it on a year by year basis too. Yeah. And like you can look at a Padres roster. And no, and and, be like, <laughs> and truthfully, the Padres, a team that was actually passed on Thursday by the Pittsburgh Pirates in the standings. Whoa, which is pretty insane to think about. A team that was April's darling, but they're a team that still, if they were to sneak into that spot, they would actually be able to make some oh, noise. Oh, thousand percent. Right, like that's different. And the American League is a little different because those wildcard teams, like. The Rays, the Rangers, Mariners, Blue Jays. Those you, are all good teams. You could see a vision for all of those teams to really make some noise. But like the Rays, like still are competing for the division. Maybe not the Rangers. They're kind of losing some pitching. Yeah, here. the Rangers got some bad news this week with um former Met Max Scherzer missing the rest of the season, which it's a shame. But nice. yeah, shame. And that team actually, you know, is really funny. They're on a five game win streak in spite of that. <laughs> okay, they finally got hot. <laughs> and, you, and they beat the Blue Jays. They swept the Blue Jays. Yeah. Wow. And the Blue Jays are falling out. And then you know, popcorn muscles. And then and the Red Sox finally falling out. They fired their general manager or president of baseball operations, Heim Bloom, with 13 games a season, which was weird. Bizarre. Yeah, major major news this week. But on Thursday afternoon, yeah, 
Weird, yeah, but just, it feels like the maybe once we get to the playoffs, the juice will come and you'll feel the tenacity. But like these last two weeks with the expanded playoffs, just kind of like, eh, okay, yeah. Hopefully the Reds make it or something. Probably because we're also not really involved. I think it probably a helps. Huge, huge <laughs> part of it, yeah. And, <laughs> and football starting up, although yeah, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is done. Commanders though, want to yeah. know? Left hand up. Who are we? Oh God, but. That's it. I mean, great series for the Mets. Win three out of four from a team that's competing. That's been one of the better teams in the National League for most of the season. Got good pitching from many options. Got a lot of offense from a lot of people. Ryan Mauricio still look great. Pete Alonso's keep putting those stats up. Francisco Lindor keeps playing well. Brandon Nimmo stays hot. Like, just good baseball. Good series at home, City Field this week. And again, guys are playing hard. These games matter to them. Yes, and uh, more games are going to matter this weekend as Cincinnati Reds are coming to City Field. We'll tell everybody out there before we go over the pitching matchups. You should try and just watch Ellie De La Cruz live. You yeah, pro- you probably just won't believe it. Like if you can get to the stadium early for any of these games this weekend, while they're taking BP, you are going to watch this guy hit. He is a freak. Yeah, Ellie De La Cruz is an alien. He's six six. He's the fastest guy in baseball. <laughs> he probably has the most power in baseball. It's almost even a shock. He's in the major leagues at twenty one years old because he was so raw. A com- yeah, completely afterthought international prospect. He think got like a, one of the lowest one of the lowest bonuses in his entire pool. He wasn't even a top 30 prospect in the Reds organization as recently as the beginning of 2022. Shout out me for that stat. Yeah, shout out Mark who thought of that one originally. Yeah, and like even as a 21-year-old who still definitely has a lot of stuff that doesn't really, isn't really working that well. Again, fast guy in the league. He runs the bases so freaking well. Watch this guy cut the base. You won't believe how fast he gets from home to first. He has 27 stolen bases in 85 games. Yeah, and he stole one more today, so 28. Okay, yeah. He's, He's a freak athlete. Again, if you can get here to watch him Play baseball. That's that's one thing too. He's going to be playing, but watch him take some BP. I, I think you could park yourself up in the Coca-Cola corner and have a chance to actually get some balls up there in BP. Yeah, probably enjoy a few of those because he does switch hitter as well. I mean, like, like six five two ten and just plays an amazing shortstop. Shout out to you when yeah. we were living together. Yeah. during COVID. Yeah, you were like. Keep an eye on this Ellie De La Cruz guy. Yeah, right? He was like 17 yeah. in, in and the DSL. And I was like, sure, dude. I'll worry about <laughs> yeah. him when I worry about him. And then like the next year, like, oh my goodness, who's Ellie De La Cruz? Yeah, I got to start putting more of these takes into writing because I, I really hit that one in the head. But that's why I got to play my dynasty baseball teams. And he right now is storming through in that championship, trying to help me win one. But pitching matchups for this series against the Reds. Friday night, David Peterson versus Hunter Green. Hunter Green's another guy who is appointment watching. Yeah. He's had a bit of a choppy season with some injuries. Also just on the COVID IL. But he kind of got really, really hot last year at the end of the year and gave people like a taste of his tantalizing potential. Was drafted as a two-way player originally. He was the hot side young pick of like... Yeah, yeah like who could have been the fun side young yeah. pick. But throws 100, devastating slider. He was, again, he came into the major leagues, drafted first overall as a, as a shortstop and pitcher. And they were two-way. like, you're just going to pitch. Then he got hurt. Then it kind of looked not so good for a few years. And all of a sudden, it just happened very quickly for him. And he is a freak of nature. I believe he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. I think I do recall that too when he was probably six seventeen. Yeah, as a as a high school baseball player, he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. They called him Baseball's LeBron or the New Babe. That's wow. <laughs> That's an unbelievable statement. <laughs> would you Who'd you rather be? LeBron. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, in this time, you I don't think you realize the magnitude that Babe Ruth. Had. I know Babe Ruth is the man. I kind of hate the Yankees though. Ba- Babe Ruth, you every. Off I love season. LeBron too. You know, I love LeBron. It's yeah, no, my guy. You hate know. LeBron. I don't hate LeBron. I just don't really love LeBron. Who? Had his own train. Mark, Babe Ruth, used, they used to send him on a steamboat from California to Japan every offseason no, and, and do a tour around the entire country. Oh, he is single-handedly uh, responsible for Japan and Korea loving baseball. Yes. I know that. I believe they have statues for him there. Yeah, oh, yeah. Him, he, Sa- like, Sadaharo is like Babe Ruth is a man. He used to like, travel around and like take batting practice. He used to sell out stadiums <laughs> to watch Babe Ruth just hey, take BP. Listen, life was different. Yeah. Life was different. Babe Ruth also, fun I gotta fact. Hate, yeah. I just got to hate the Yankees. Babe Ruth was originally a Baltimore Oriole, grew up in a boy's home in Baltimore. He was adopted by someone who became a high-ranking executive for the Orioles, and they eventually traded him to the Red Sox. So if you guys think the Red Sox trade for Babe Ruth, Yankees, Red Sox to Yankees is bad, 
It was traded by his legal guardian. So keep <laughs> keep that one in mind. That was a uh, yeah. Dude, listen. <laughs> got that's you got to respect the ball sometimes. <laughs> you got to respect the ball. I mean, yeah, you got money's money back then. But yeah, for Saturday evening, another 7-10 game. Tyler McGill versus Andrew Abbott, another exciting rookie for the Cincinnati Reds. He's cooled off a little bit, right? Cooled off a lot. He okay. started off really hot. But he, he was one of these guys who had a meteoric rise because of the tacky ball in the uh, in Double A, yeah, in the Eastern League. And then once he went up, he kind of didn't really look as good. He's still really good. He has a fastball that has really good pitch traits, pitch qualities, but doesn't really throw in that hard. Like 91 or 92, yeah, right? We call that a precarious fastball. Ooh, because, precarious. Uh, yes, because like... SAT word. SAT word, precarious fastball. So I got that from Eno Saris, Rates and Barrels podcast, The Athletic. When you have a fastball that has a really good shape and really good velocity, if you lose one of those, it's still going to be gross. Yeah. Right? And we, we see that with a lot of guys, like like Garrett Cole, incredible fastball. It's great shape and great velocity. It's amazing. Edwin... Not that with Diaz, different. I'm gonna get to him in a second. But then you have guys who have one of those things. You have great shape and not good velocity, or great velocity and not good shape. Christian Javier is someone who's fallen victim to that this season because mm. his fastball always sat mid 90s, but it had a great shape. This year he's lost some hop on it. The shape's not so good. Now it's smacked. Now it's just straight fastball, 94 miles an hour. Yeah. And we're seeing two two great Mets pitches the last few years: Kodai Sanga and Edwin Diaz. Those guys have incredible velocity. Shape isn't really that great. You also look at Paul Skeens, number one overall pick in the draft. But you're throwing between 97 and 101 miles an hour. So Nobody it really cares. doesn't matter that much. Yeah. If you're throwing 97 to 101, the shape is a little bit irrelevant. It Hunter Green, too, right? But yeah, no, I think Hunter Green has the good shape. Oh, he has good shape. Yeah, okay. he has good shape. DeGrom's a guy with both of them, of course. Mm. Yeah. But, Lanky. Yeah. Scherzer was a guy who had one or the other. This happened with Verlander beginning of the season where the velocity went down a little bit and the shape wasn't that great. Looking at this roster for the Reds, this is, uh, they have one player with 20 homers, but almost everybody has double digits. The Reds move their players around a lot. Yes. They rotate, they rotate, they rotate. They're a team kind of like the Orioles where they have so many guys in the active roster who are kind of the same skill level. Then the sixth inning, you'll be like, oh, there's like three new guys in the lineup. <laughs> but And they're not doing the Dimebacks thing giving up. No, yeah, not, not quitting, no. And then Sunday matinee, one for the Jose Quintana versus Brandon Williamson. Brandon Williamson, another guy who... Figuring the, it out. Yes, figuring it out a little bit. He developed... He had really bad minor league stats the last few years. He came over in... Was he... He wasn't the Winker trade. Connor Phillips was the Winker trade. I'm going to tell you right now, he came over Tell in the... the where's... Where's... Where's transactions? It was, it was a Mariners trade for sure. It was one of... Was it Eugenio Suarez? Was that not the same as the Winker trade? Maybe. Those it was the same trade, I believe. Uh, Justin Dunn, Jake Fraley. Yep, it was the same trade. Okay, and Jake Fraley. So two huge pulls for the Reds in that one trade where everyone freaked out. But Former Met Justin Dunn. Yes, former Met Justin Dunn, Met legend. But Brandon Williamson developed a color just like as he was ending his minor league career, and he's taken that pitch to really good success so far in the majors. And we know that Cincinnati is a really difficult place to pitch. Super tough. So having a soft contact pitch like a color that can work against opposite-handed batters is really important. And we've seen Williamson take a step. He's a, he's a good ball player. Yep. But these are big games for the Reds. This Reds team was not someone that anyone expected to make the playoffs early in the year, and they have a shot to really shock a lot of people. and Shock the nation. And they, yeah, they are a team that, besides this series, like I think most of us probably in baseball are rooting for to do it. Oh, I'm rooting for the Reds. They're young. Outside of the, they're exciting. Yeah. Like, they're new blood. They're different. It's fun. They just, you know, like, they got players that are really likable, too. Yes. Like, all young guys. Mm -hmm. I know you've been loving Nick Senzel forever. It's really not coming I mean, he's together. he's definitely not someone I would even possibly even mention. I this. know, but yeah. I'm just saying, you love him, he's on the I team. Did. I mean, like, Nick Senzel's done a lot of good things. Christian Encarnacion Strand, they're, all their guys are under 30 you as well. You mentioned one guy in the starting line. Joey Votto. <laughs> Christian Encarnacion Strand plays he's every day. He's more than 50-50. I mean, like, Fraley, Jake Steer. Fraley, Spencer Steer. Spencer Steer's been awesome. Um, Jonathan John India, Matt Killer. Yeah, Matt Killer and Matt Fan, one of each. We've talked about uh, Ellie De La Cruz. Will Benson has done a lot of exciting things after being cast off from the Guardians organization. <laughs> Some of these guys just love hanging in Ohio. I feel like this happens weirdly, like to a like only good in Ohio team. Yeah, only in Ohio. Noel V. Marte, he's been pretty exciting since he came up. He got hit in the face recently, so I yes. hope. Yeah, I hope he. But I think it. he's back. He's so. back. Okay. Yeah. They also have uh, Yankee Harrison Bader. Yes. And Hunter Renfro. Yes. And 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 Joey Votto. Always fun to have Joey Votto in the ballpark. Uh, pro's pro. 
He is a pro's pro. And, of course, Edwin Diaz's brother, Alexis. Who has become one of the best closers in baseball. So, in years past, like, when we talked about Alexis Diaz, we all, I was like, he kind of just nasty. Yeah. And you were always like, the, the, it, something just doesn't add up, though. Has it changed? I think just what happened with Alexis Diaz is that he has such an obscure release point. This year, It's tried, so far. It's so far away. It's also really outward. And he and him, him and Edwin always said that Alexis, I think, had the better fastball, I want to say. I think that's Edwin right. the better sliders, what they said. But Alexis, the slider is, like, disgusting. So maybe it's the opposite then. Maybe. But that's what they said, but I was just like, I don't believe them. Because, like, it's also, he's a closer who throws, like, 94, 95 miles an hour. So it's always like, I don't know. But, but he gets a ton of swing and misses. The slider is so good. He throws a slider and fastball each 50% of the time. It's, they're just really disgusting pitches. And, like, maybe it won't work out. But also, the Reds kind of know what they're doing a little bit in pitching development. Yep. I mentioned it before, but they're really shrewd in hiring Kyle Body. <laughs> and take all the driveline stuff. Then once he needed the raise, they got rid of him. Great follow on Twitter, Kyle Body, uh, architect of driveline. But, yeah, Alexis Diaz, like, it always did feel like, he also walks a lot of guys, too. I was always like, ah, 12% walks, 95 miles an hour. Like, this can't really last, but yeah. it's lasting. It looks really good, but really exciting team, fun team. Maybe this time Alexis Diaz actually gets into a game at City Field <laughs> as opposed to last year. Oh, my God. Yeah. I guess, are we, are we, no, John, we're not going to do an estimate? Yeah, no estimate without John. Yeah. Now, now while he's not here. Yes, Phil. I mean, we're going to tie at the end of the year here. Are you sure you want to give that up? I can give one up. All right. I can give it up. It's all good. We That's know fine. I'm wearing a tuxedo again. It's just going to yeah. happen. <laughs> Opening that, baby. It's got the tuxedo. Might as well use it. Yeah. Anything else to cover? That's all we got here. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. We appreciate all you hanging out here late in the season. Make sure you follow us on our social media at MetsUp on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Subscribe to the New York Mets YouTube channel if you want to see the video version of this. And if you're listening to us, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Odyssey, drop us a rating, drop us a review, download, and subscribe. Shout out to a fan from Korea that I met this weekend. Oh, he DM'd me. I thought yes. told him you were here. Listens to the podcast. Yeah. I think his name, but he says he's from Korea, so I'm sure he knows who he is. I can't imagine there's many, but shout out to you. Uh, follow James on Twitter at James underscore Shiano. And me, Giraffe Neck Mark with a C. Thank you guys for listening and watching, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Peace. Peace out. See you guys next time.